a Swiss asset management company with more than 900 employees across the world. It was a shock in that an organisation, you know, you've known for a long time, suddenly turns out to not be everything that you thought it was. Clients including financial advisors, private investors and institutions. For any company, if you lose one-fifth of your share price in a day, in a single few minutes of trading, then you're in trouble. Partnering with some of the most talented investment managers. Unfortunately, this is not uh, the first scandal and probably not uh, the last one. But on the 31st of July 2018, the annual results are released. Just seconds after, the head of their absolute return bond fund unit was suspended, waiting for the investigation. Now, as the scandal marks its four-year anniversary, we want to re-examine what actually happened and what, if anything, has changed since. Helping us with this are some big names in the scandal, including former employees Tim Hayward and Alex Friedman, as well as financial experts. This is GAM, Suspension of Disbelief. Hello and welcome to this brand new series with myself, Neve Doyle and Chris Slowly. Chris has dug deep on this story over the past few years, documenting its progress since the news broke out in July 2018. So, it's been four years, why now? First, hi Neve. <laughs> so thanks for doing this. Uh, the, the, one of the issues, I guess, is these things, they don't go away. The asset management industry seems to pop up with one every few years. We saw H2O, Woodford, more recently we've had the Alliance Structured Alpha Challenge. We're focusing on GAM because it has been four years, so it gives us enough of a time frame to see what has changed, has anything changed, what does it mean for the industry, what does it mean for GAM even, and we've spoken to some of the key people there to find out how things have moved on, we've spoken to some of the key people involved in the situation as well to see what they've done in the period since. So, if we set the scene, we go back to July 31st, 2018, one minute past seven Central European time. I mean, I have written about this extensively, so this is where we're going to have additional material, new material. Why was that one alert so important? So there's obviously one key catalyst to this story, and that's why we're looking at it on the fourth yeah. anniversary. So we're going back to 31st July 2018. But in reality, GAM had a lot of problems before then. So the group had issued a profit warning in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was just 18 months into Alex Friedman's tenure as CEO. So Alex was well known in the Swiss industry. He'd been global CIO of UBS, so another big Swiss company. CIO is different, though. That's where you're investing the money. CEO is how you're running a business. And so I think there were some challenges in that crossover. One of the first main challenges was that he had to announce the Swiss group's profits were 50% down wow. on where they were in June the first half of 2015. So yeah, that's sizable, that's noticeable. And he cited performance fees as a main challenge. He wasn't alone in that. The industry's had trouble there. But it did show the size of the challenge ahead. And were GAM not worried at this point? I think they became more worried because you saw money starting to leave some of the key funds, the redemptions from the absolute return section. We'll come to that in more detail, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So we saw about 2.6 billion Swiss francs taken from those funds alone in January, between January and June of that year. The company pinned that on bad performance with which they could date back to 2014. So there's a long lag there. Yeah. But shareholders were not completely happy that things were going in the right direction. And that was compounded by the fact that the overall assets of the company dropped. So they went from 72 billion Swiss francs at the end of 2015 to 65 God, billion. That's a big drop. Of, it is in, because GAM's never been a massive player. Mm-hmm. 
but if you're talking, I mean, I'm going to have to do quick maths off the top of my head. I mean, if you're losing seven billion and you're only running seven, you ten percent, nine percent of your assets have fallen in a short space of time. So, I mean, questions were asked. And so, surely this was a sign that something needed to change. They had been trying to change for a while. So that I mean. We'll come on to Alex Freeman mm-hmm. in more detail, but he yeah. did talk about these strategic reviews. He did talk about trying to make efficiency gains. I mean, a lot of this we hear a lot of the time in different ways. He had bought a company called Cantab. The problem was the cost of Cantab was higher than expected and the performance was lower. So you'd hope to sort of pay off the cost of buying a company by then performing well yeah. and reimbursing that money. It was a challenging environment for them. In my personal view, it was a sensible move. The whole industry was moving towards this more systematic, quantitative way of doing things but sometimes the market works against you so that was a challenge and at the same time there was a lot of activist investor pressure so we saw the lights of rbr capital advisors a group in zurich really take him to task i mean to the point that they wanted him replaced they thought alex friedman wasn't the man for the job they wanted bigger cost savings they wanted the support mechanisms moved closer to home and they wanted better action over gams operating margins normally a company can fend off one activist or at least do something to placate them. The thing was, ISS, so the Institutional Shareholder Service, also got involved. They honed in on Alex Friedman's remuneration. So they're looking at how much he was getting paid for the job he was doing. We spoke to GAM as part of the the follow-up in 2019, 2020, of looking at this. They confirmed at that point Alex Friedman's base salary was around 1.2 million Swiss francs. It's a huge amount of money. And also, if you think that he could have then risen to around 2.3 million if he'd hit all the incentives. So, I mean, it's in his interest to do this, to get this right. For context, his successor, his long-term successor, because there was an interim CEO, his base salary was 254,000 Swiss francs. So we're talking, I mean, like I said, if we're looking at how much he could have got from everything... The guy coming into the job after Alex Friedman was on roughly 10% of what Alex Friedman got or was on in line to get. So shareholders weren't happy and they were voting strongly against him personally and also his plans. So how many and what did this result in for GAM? So they had to they had to go to the shareholders and do something. So they did three share buyback schemes. So basically they're trying to safeguard the value of the company. They're buying shares back off people at good prices. At this point, GAM is trading a decent amount because we're still in 2016-17. The event, the Catalyst event hasn't happened yet. It had a small increase in half-year performance going into 2017, uh, which was up from the end of 2016. However, not everyone was happy. RBR Capital, the group who put pressure on before, they decided to sell out. They didn't think things would go in the right direction. So 2017 was a better year for GAM then? In numbers terms, yes. But in reality, we know from behind the scenes, things were getting slightly more complicated. This is the period in which the first whistleblower complaints started to come in about the absolute return bond fund unit. So concerns were raised internally that things weren't what they seem. And did GAM have an idea why this information was leaked or who it was by? They did quite a good job of actually ensuring that internally these things were kept internally. I mean, that sounds simplistic, but... From the outside world, from a journalistic perspective, it just looked like GAM was having some troubles. They were, and we've seen that the absolute return funds were losing money, but we didn't realise there was actually any sort of internal conflict. So at that point, we're moving towards Alex Friedman having a pay cut towards the end of the year. It looks like they are moving in the right direction. But as I said, none of these rumblings internally were that well known. So was business improving for GAM? It, 
it started to look better. I mean, if we saw coming into the beginning of 2018, at the 1st of March, they announced a 44% pre-tax profit. They had seen assets increase. They're up to around 158 billion Swiss francs. So if you think back to the 72 dropping to 65, they're a lot further ahead. They're almost double where they were at the end of December 2015. So all intents and purposes, things look like they're going in the right direction. How were the results received? So the first set of results were good. Then there was another profit warning. So the 12th of July, so this is before the 31st of July, and this shows how important it was because they come out 19 days before they have to make a formal announcement saying, look, we're not going to hit these profits. So there's something to be worried about. That gets a lot of people on high alert. And especially if you're a listed company like GAM, people start to really pay attention to what's going to happen. So have they not improved since? So if we rewind ever so slightly before the 31st of July, so the 27th of July was the last time up until this recording, where GAM's share price was in double figures. So that's quite a considerable drop-off. What we saw was the weighing down of that profit warning. We saw that they knew something was coming, and on the 31st of July, share prices absolutely dropped beyond what they had seen before. And what were the company's initial reactions to the announcement? It was a strange one. So speaking to people at the time, speaking to people inside the company at the time, there was confusion, there was uncertainty. Some people thought that there was a lack of coordination between the Zurich offices and the London offices. The fact that the release saying that they had had challenges and their interim results came out at 7 o'clock and at 7.01 they suspended the manager. You can sort of understand why they did that. They would want to be on top of the message, they're in control of the message, but it also compounded what was already a challenging time. So we saw that they were going into this scenario having issued a profit warning Having come through a period where it looked like they were starting to correct things, they were going to go sharply backwards the other way. So it's the 31st of July, 2018, and the immediate reaction is that GAM's share prices dropped 20% on the day of the announcement. Which is huge. I mean, for any company, if you lose one-fifth of your share price in a day, in a single few minutes of trading, then you're in trouble. What was clear from this, though, was it wasn't about Cantab. Cantab had been the focus up to this point, we'd seen profit warnings related around the purchase of Cantab, the performance of Cantab, but this was solely about Tim Hayward. So they announced that a very senior fund manager, a very experienced fund manager, had been suspended with no more information about why. What they did do was they introduced Alex McKnight and Jack Flaherty as the new managers of the Absolute Return Bomb Fund. However, that would turn out to just be a holding measure because with this announcement on the 31st of July, on the 2nd of August, they actually suspended trading in all Absolute Return Bond Funds. Then, Eight days after that, so the 10th of August, they said, actually, we're going to liquidate them. And were any other funds liquidated? No. So that was an interesting thing as well. So that was a real focal point, but it was just within this unit. So there was some either one specific issue centred on those funds or centred on the person running those funds. So let's rewind slightly and introduce the key player or a key player, um, Daniel Sheard. Daniel and Tim were business partners. They ran an asset management company together called Augustus Asset Management. That company was bought by Julius Baer. Julius Baer was then in a strange working relationship with GAM. GAM separated out. And with it, they took what was Augustus, but put it into the absolute return bond unit. What was even more intriguing was it was actually Daniel who raised the alarm. So in 2017, Daniel went to the FCA with his concerns. That prompted some sort of internal investigation, I understand. But it then took a longer period for that to come to light. So what did GAM do next? So they had to act because there was a lot of speculation around what was going on. If you suspend someone, there has to be a reason. So they decided to come out and try and get on the front foot. I mean, we'll see that that was very challenging and perhaps they could have dealt with things differently. But they mentioned that Tim's conduct was the thing that was under investigation. So there was a suggestion he'd broken inducement rules. So 
being paid to invest, how much you're compensated for investing in certain things, and also trading rules as well as the use of his personal email for work purposes. There's very strict rules around that because it opens up the window to insider trading and other potentially criminal activity. Was there speculation of this being done? So there was a sense that something had been going awry, let's say, because he had been making a very close relationship with a company called Greensill. He had been working very uh, closely with a number of firms that perhaps weren't the best investment options, let's say, for GAM. Since then, FCA reports have shown that he was receiving, let's say, in-kind favours. He was using private jets. He was going on holiday to Sardinian villas. And all of this was slightly suspicious activity. And this is what had prompted his former business partner to raise the alarm. And why didn't they dismiss him before the announcement? So this is where things get slightly tricky because there are conflicting reports. In one instance, they said that they wanted to keep him on while there was the investigation ongoing, which is common practice in some places. You want the person to be within your company while you investigate that. Another suggestion was that they had actually tried to push through his retirement. They were trying to try and make this look like a succession plan. And there was a suggestion that they would, let's say, ease him out of the door while they dealt with it. From what I understand, as probably speaking to people, is the FCA were aware of this and they said, no, he needs to stay in situ while we investigate this properly. So it's September 2018 and GAM promised to reboot its absolute range. Was this done? So the absolute return bond fund range became slightly problematic because it became harder to unwind than they had first imagined. A lot of the stuff that Tim had been investing in was more illiquid than they had envisioned. So that actually became a very lengthy process and it's one that had only just really been fully completed. The idea of launching funds at the same time is then it's in itself a challenge because how do you launch funds that are supposed to do the same thing when the ones you've got still exist to an extent? So that was really challenging. What really added to the intrigue though is while all this was going on, while they were trying to work their way through, they started to make people redundant. They started to remove some of the investment management personnel. So if you're losing fund managers, I mean, it's the equivalent, let's move into football slightly for a second. If a football team were to get relegated, they would move the backroom staff. They would get rid of those people. What we're seeing here is the players on the pitch. I mean, you'd still have to do that in a football context, but these were high profile names. One of the most high profile names to be removed in that instance was Daniel Sheard. So the Financial Times reported that he was the whistleblower. They were the first people to say that. But he was one of the first of the major investment management people to be removed from the company. So what happened to Alex Friedman during this process? So it's a good question because Alex, we haven't really spoken about in this scenario. So he had been under pressure going into it. This pressure would prove too much. So in November 2018, he was removed. And David Jacob, who joined the board, the board of directors in the end of 2017, formerly the CEO of Rogue Capital Partners, he was put in charge and he was given a, a mandate to sort of fix the problem. So was Alex dismissed at the financial review or did GAM know beforehand and kept him on? So it's hard to tell, let, I mean, without seeing on the fence too much, but the GAM chairman, Hugh Scott Barrett, who, um, bizarrely, a fact that I learned during the, the research for this, is partakes in competitive horse carriage racing in his spare time, uh, not hugely relevant, interesting, but he's put out a very supportive statement for Alex Friedman. And I know there is an element of corporate massaging that goes on with this, but he did praise Alex's handling of the scenario because it's a very unique scenario. But I mean, whether they knew what was going on and decided to keep him on for longer, they wanted to dismiss him earlier. Ultimately, he was gone by the end of 2018. Thank you for listening to the first episode of GAM, Suspension of Disbelief. Next week, we'll be speaking to two financial advisors on their perspectives of the crisis.